You're listening to Office Politics, brought to you by BYOB Revolt. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Office Politics. I am your host, Jasmine Reed Clark, and this is the place where we get down and dirty about all the things related to office, career advancement, and what happens behind the scenes, behind the cubicle. Today, I have a really special episode. It is going to be our first installment of Happy Hour. So when I was first creating this podcast, I thought, I want to talk about all the things that we complain and gripe and celebrate at Happy Hour. And I wanted to make sure that I was inviting on um, my real-life friends. So with that, I am inviting two of my closest friends, Punch and Wit. One is a teacher, one is a former recruiter, and we're going to get into it. In today's episode, we talk about dun 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 passion. Is it overrated? Is it a privilege? And is it a prerequisite to success at work? Interestingly, the three of us have totally different takes on the topic. And it's really interesting to get um, a perspective from someone who was raised by a single mother, um, as well as two others who were raised with a uh, get bread or die trying mentality. So with that, I am excited for you all to meet my friends, chat about something that I'm always thinking about, and I really want to get your feedback. So if you agree with wit, punch or myself hit us up on social media i want to start a dialogue and with that let's get into it welcome back to office politics i have two of my very closest friends punch and whitney i'm excited to have them on we're going to talk about passion is it overrated is it a privilege and what to do if you don't have it at work But before all that, let's get into some warm introductions. First, we have Punch. Now, Punch, I know because our boys are best friends, and since we have developed a really beautiful friendship, and Punch teaches me everything about confidence, owning your story, trusting in yourself, and she keeps it real all of the... I mean, both of you do, so... But, I mean, Punch, I don't... I love that I always know where I stand with you, but uh, why don't you tell the people who you are and a little bit about your background? So like Jasmine said, my name is Punch, a uh, government name, <laughs> Taylor, but uh, <laughs> I, I'm an educator currently, um, aspiring ecologist, and I'm just really happy that Jasmine had me on today so I could talk about passion in the workplace. Yeah, have it. And then we also have Miss Whitney Williams. Whitney and I met at a former employer and she was my desk buddy. We very quickly became super good friends. She's so funny, always kept me laughing, but I think you always kept me super grounded at that job and let me know when I was, you know, letting my emotions get you wrapped up into stupid work projects. And you just always were fighting for what was right and took over for me when I needed to leave my uh, people of color ERG leader position to focus on a promotion I had just gotten. You took it over and you elevated the message, the group to even new heights. But Whitney, why don't you tell the people a little bit about who you are and your background? Um. 
So to what you just said, you know, you got to do what you can. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, so glad I can be there for you and here for you now. Let's see. Um, who am I? Let me see. Uh, she said, Whitney, um, what do I do? Nothing currently because Corona. Um, but, you know. <laughs> We're getting there. Wait, the Lord's going to work it out. Um, but um, let's see. So, I mean, so, I mean, I'm just into a whole lot of things. Um, so I'm, so I'm just out here really doing some soul searching until, yeah. you know, that next opportunity comes around. Uh, so, yeah. And speaking of soul searching, I think that's a really great segue into a topic I wanted to talk about today. So OPP fam, I am a very passionate person for better or for worse. And I have absolutely left jobs because I was not feeling it. And I would have some of my more rational, logical friends tell me, Hey, like sometimes you're not always going to be passionate. Even one of my favorite TED Talks is about you're not always going to be passionate. So it's a topic I really love to get into. And I wanted to get into it specifically with Punch and Whitney because I think they both have been passionate in their fields, but also been disillusioned um, and kind of at low points within both of their fields. Now, that said, my first question today, ladies, is, is being passionate at work a privilege? And are we coming from a place of privilege when we advise people to be passionate at work? I think it can be, I mean, I think either one of those is like twofold right and wrong. Um, mm-hmm. Typically, when you think about passion, you're doing something that you wanted to do. Um, as we know, the world today, nine times out of 10, that don't happen. That just, just doesn't happen, especially coming out of college. Um, sometimes you got to do what you got to do because, I mean, six months after they start charging you for those student loans that you took out. Um, let's just be real. Um, and so sometimes you, you get into something that you didn't really want to do, but it's paying the bills and then you get good at it or you either get complacent because easy is good. I'm making good money, what have you. Um, and so at some point you're going to become unfulfilled and be like, this not, <laughs> this not what I signed up for. This is not, this is not my plan. This is not the goal. Um, and then you have other people that walk right into exactly it is what it is that they were prepared to do, what they wanted to do. And they're passionate about it, you know, and then you're there 20, 30, 40, however long you're working years. And that's cool. Or you can think, you know, that the things that you're doing are what you wanted to do. And then you can get there and be there 10 years. You were like, mm, this is not serving me anymore. So I think the real privilege is being able to know when something to remove yourself or change your environment when it doesn't when it no longer serves you. Oh, I love that. I love that. And for you, Whitney, how do you know when an, an environment is no longer serving you? I'm not attitude about being there changes for sure. Um uh, we talked about this, you know, previously. I just start to really uh, not care, and <laughs> yes. it's just like this, <laughs> and, and then you just kind of feel you like this is not it. Um, I'm not happy. I'm dreading going uh, again. What that looks like for me is I'll come in late. Yeah, like I'm just just start. Just <laughs> I need a few more moments. Like let me sit in the car a little bit longer, you know, or or let me get that ready slower, whatever the case is. But it starts to look that starts to physically manifest in either performance or or uh, attendance, you know, something like that when I've just had it. It's powerful to know what your triggers are. I think that's part of why I'm so into like the Enneagram, because when you are stressed, it says I know you're a three. So when a three is mm-hmm. in distress, they go into nine. And yeah, you basically become a sloth. So to know like, oh, I'm becoming lazy and um, unfulfilled. Okay, let's right. let's 
let's reel that in. But for you, Punch, especially being in the education field where, I mean, girl, (laughs) you can't phone it in. Like, you got to be on stage. You have to teach those kids, especially now with everything that's going on. What does it look like when you're unfulfilled? Or what does it look like? How do you know when something is no longer serving you? Because I know you haven't always been an educator. Um, definitely the same as wit. Uh, it's definitely, I can tell in the morning if I'm just not up and out of bed with my alarm or if it's just me just opening my eyes and just feeling that kind of existential dread, like I have to go to work, like, and I have to go to work. It's, it starts weighing on me in that sense, just from the moment I wake up in the morning. Out of curiosity, what was the message that you both received growing up about, passion and work. And I'll kind of kick off the the conversation. I think I saw my mom hustle. I think she always would show up, bring her best attitude, bring her best effort. But I don't think she was ever passionate about sales and healthcare. She understood I need to feed my family and I need to make this bread. And that's what she did. My dad, on the other hand, I think he was very passionate to be about success in business, and he found a specialization within human resources. But I think he definitely had more of an honest, uh, heartfelt connection with it. And I will say they pushed me to just be the best. Um, I always tell people for my parents to be as strict as they were, they were very, very encouraging when I wanted to go to school to be a journalist. But I think they were like, but bitch, you better be the best journalist. Like, don't like, don't be out here writing stories about Texas pieces or something. Yeah, right. Yeah, like, DMZ articles. You know, I think. Yeah. <laughs> so I think I got the message of if you're going to chase your passion, just make money chasing your passion. Mm-hmm. But what was like the message you both got growing up? Wow. So my dad specifically. um, because I've always been a passionate kid when it came to animals. That's the only thing I've ever just really felt a passion for as a child. And so growing up, my dad would just always let me know. He was like, look, I'm not passionate about being a police officer. I'm mm-hmm. absolutely, this isn't what I saw myself doing with my life. But he's just like, you have to find a compromise in your life about what you want your lifestyle to be. So mm-hmm. a lot of times what we're passionate about is not what's going to fund our lifestyle. Um, I'm not, I'm not bougie by any means, but I know that I require a certain amount of money to live the kind of lifestyle that I want to. And, um, fortunately for me, or like what I was able to learn through most of my intern experiences is what I'm passionate about actually was not going to facilitate my lifestyle. And so that kind of put a damper on my career field choice. But now that I'm older and kind of finding that compromise, I believe I can get I can I can have my cake and eat it too. That actually sounds really good. It sounds like your dad really presented just real, like a real landscape of like this is what it is, this is what it's not. Yes. And what about you, Wit? Uh what was the message you got growing up? Um so it's kind of similar to Taylor's, but I don't think I got that that lesson or that message until I was earlier and uh, old enough to work for myself. Um I grew up in a single parent home. So that I mean, that's what my mom did. She had to have two jobs. If she had to have what you know, three, whatever the case was. If we didn't see her, you know, and it's a whole, it's a whole thing. Like it was like I had to provide for my kids. Granted, she's also in the HR field, 
she loves it, loves that shit. Um, you know, lives it, breathes it, or whatever. And the older she's gotten, she's like, "Oh, child, these people and their problems." I could honestly, I couldn't care less. But, <laughs> but like, like she, like it's her thing. She's really good at it, and it's something that she fell into because it's not what she went to school for. Um, and so, but then, so then the lifestyle that she provided us as a single parent. I mean, unlike Taylor, I cannot not say. Uh, and Jazz, you know my mama, so I was like, I cannot <laughs> not say that, <laughs> that I was not raised a certain way and to expect certain things and to require a certain taste level. Um, yes, so the older yes. I got, when she got to school, she's like, look, do what you need to do, get your money, and then you can go out here and have all kinds of fun. So if it's if it's not, if you're just not the happiest, get make sure you're, you know, getting that check, pay your bills. And, yes. then, and then outside of work, you know, you do whatever, which is also where I learned the importance of leaving work at work. Because especially a lot of times if you're in a place that you don't really want to be, but you're there for, you know, that money or whatever the mm-hmm. case is, then I'm about to be out here playing all types of hard, you know, outside <laughs> the office. So when I leave, that that's there. You bring up a good point. And before we go deviate there. I want to ask you specifically growing up in a single parent household. um, Do you feel like that helped mold and shaped the relationship you have with money and the relationship you have with work? Um, I think so. And it shaped shaped a a whole lot of other types of relationships too. Um, (laughs) But specifically, (laughs) specifically in, in the money and work realm, um, I seeing how she is now. Um, uh, she's more. Um, she won't care if I tell her age. My mom. How old is my mom? Lord, she, <laughs> she's fifty five. So she's more now into the passion thing. She's yeah. like, I worked to make the money that I needed or wanted to make for my family. Now, like, what do I want to do until I retire. Um, but um, for me now, so seeing being able to see that, I think mine is a mix. And especially mm-hmm. being like, and when I can already tell, like Taylor said, sometimes you get up and be like, yeah, this ain't it. This not today. Actually, this is not the week, the month, or the year for this. <laughs> so, <laughs> so <laughs> being, being, having, I think that maturity in saying, I, I know I can't do this for the next five years or whatever. Let me not waste these people's time or what have you. And having quit a job before and not having a, a, a plan B, C, or anything, uh, that, that in itself shaped my relationship with money. Like, okay, well, you need to have some put back, some put to the side, something, yeah. some kind of rainy day situation. Um, mm-hmm. Just always be sure you're not ever like ass out because exactly. sometimes that happens. Corona. Exactly. <laughs> See, Corona. Corona. Perfect. And then you actually just touched on something that I wanted to talk about leaving your BS at work. Now, this is something I have struggled in from the get-go. I think, listen, we can get into a whole psychology session on it. Some of it is just paying that black tax. Like, listen, I need to be seen working twice as hard as my white peers. So let me stay at work so that they know I'm working hard. And some of it is my own BS about self-worth. Like some of it's just crap I go through with my own therapist. Now, something you are always very good at that. How did you cultivate healthy boundaries with work? Is that something you always had? Uh, no, actually, um, 
my um and it wasn't my first job out of college but essentially i was 22 when i started working for the state i won't go into an agency i work for just know i was a state employee um and that was with, with that being a 24 7 365 um situation and having to do certain things and make certain decisions that i at 22 was not 22 23 24 was not even making for myself, because I was like, hey, mama, uh, you know, <laughs> and just <laughs> and having to be a whole lot of things for people and not necessarily being able to relate to them on that. And it, it, it wore me, which is what led me to leave. I was like, I, I cannot. This is heavy. So anytime that a job starts to feel like I'm just like, oh, this is it's too much. I'm starting to feel feel like that. That's 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 really what shaped it and and being able to separate because then you come home you decompress or or whatever and you just and I don't I don't when I leave it I want to leave it there I don't want to talk about it I don't want to bring it up I don't want to what are we getting into where are we going what are, you know what are we yes. let's let's happy hour happy hour exactly let's go <laughs> let's yeah. let's drink let's be merry that'll be you know because it'll be it'll be there so that that job made me be like uh never again Absolutely. So it sounds like you're very good at reflecting on what didn't work and making Mm -hmm. sure you don't basically make the same mistakes again. I like that. What about you, Punch? Like, you know, when I see you, the way you move, you'll be candid about things that bother you. But to me, you seem to have really healthy boundaries. Now, is that performance or do you feel like, no, girl, I have very healthy boundaries? I think, and it's, I think it's interesting that you brought up the point of wanting to perform better than your, um, your white colleagues in spaces. I, I think my, um, situation is a little bit interesting because really from, from my education on up through my working, I've actually only been in majority black spaces when it comes to school and work. Oh, wow. And so I, yeah, I've never yet at both the schools that I've worked at, they've been predominantly black. And so um, that expectation of that of that over the twice as hard half the recognition was not there. We were all on that same kind of mindset, like we're all in this together. So I've never had that type of pressure. Um, I think it's really interesting. Yeah, I'm. It's. I feel like a lot of times it's reflecting. (laughs) Yeah, Um, I had a coworker one day. I was telling him just how like stressed out I was feeling because we were having some like really bad like admin situations and uh, he told me he was like every day when I leave here and I go to the gym I talk to my friends and they're like how was your day at work he, every day I just say it's I and finally one day they're just like nothing happens at work he's like it's work like it's just work I leave that there I go I do this to pay my bills and to make sure that I have a roof over my head mm-hmm. after it's clock time that's it just like Whitney said like over with that's done it's gonna be there tomorrow so there is no point in in overworking yourself for something that a is going to be there mm-hmm. and b it's just it's it's just no need for, for that type of energy expenditure you don't have to do it and i've never had that pressure to do so now punch you just said something so powerful about um, energy. And I wrote an article called, we need to start treating our energy like currency. And yes. And it's like, I have struggled, continue to struggle and may always struggle with setting proper boundaries in a variety of relationships. 
But I remember saying to my therapist, you know, it's like my energy is currency and I let people at work, their currency is like the euro. It's something so worth so much. But then my currency is like the peso. And it's like, I don't even care what I'm into. And that is something I really have had to reprioritize, like your love for yourself, your love for your hobbies. Ma'am, that needs to be the euro. Mm -hmm. That dick boss you work for, pesos, pesos, Pesos. you know? So I love what you said. I think that's something I'm always having to remind myself. And I love that both of you have mastered that. If you haven't, I'm here in your corner. We will learn together. Is passion a prerequisite for you to be successful at work? What do you guys think? Um. I think a prerequisite for me to be successful as work is me clocking in doing my job. Uh, that has mm. absolutely nothing to do with me completing my designated tasks at work. <laughs> um, when I worked at Jason's Deli, I did not have to be passionate about making sandwiches. <laughs> I just had to make sandwiches. <laughs> that is not. And then again, that go, that ties back into privilege. Like if you are a retail worker, if you are a food service worker, if you are like a frontline worker, as we're calling people now, um, that does not require passion. That requires like basic human decency and, and then the ability service. to and customer service and the ability to stand on your feet for eight hours. That doesn't require passion. Yes. Um, and so I think to feed people the idea of passion in most of their work, not careers, but in their just everyday jobs is really a joke um, because the majority of my work does not require passion. <laughs> <laughs> I love you. <laughs> what do you think, uh, Wit? Uh, I would agree. Um, like, Plus one, ditto all of that, what Punch just said. But uh, to my point earlier, like doing what you have to do to yeah. to make your ends meet. Uh, I'm passionate about um, not being homeless, not starving to death, putting gas <laughs> in my car. Like, Hello. Yes. I, I, yes. Those are the things that I'm passionate about. So if I have to come in here and put a smile on and fake it and do whatever else I need to do to make sure that I'm getting that that, that direct deposit is hidden every two weeks on time, like clockwork, then that's what I'm going to do. But I think, um, it, and I think this is where that what are you passionate about in that, that token black person in the office thing collide for me. Because again, in some instances, if I'm just doing this just because it's work, I mean, they're like, um, it's like a juxtaposition. I'm doing this just because it's work, but at the same time, they're going to be like, oh, of course, Whitney's not doing X, Y, and Z, or of course, blah, blah, blah. Or at least that's what I'm feeling like. But, you know, if you don't, if you don't spot in there, you know, yep. oh, you about to be looking over my stuff with a magnifying glass. Oh, she's not back from lunch. And, oh, you know what I mean? Like, how many times are you going to say back? Are you in my business? <laughs> don't do Which, that. Which, can, like, can we sidebar for a second? Whitney and I, we won't name names. But we have had to deal with that at our former employer. People worried about how long the lunch breaks, the bathroom breaks are, writing people's superiors. And it's like, yes, what are you doing? Are you in my business? Are you my manager? Are we exactly? Are you even on my team? No. Am I doing my work? Are we? Yes. Am I hitting my metrics? (laughs) Exactly. Are we seeing results? Is everything in line? Are things done? Oh, okay. Oh, Lord, have Girl. mercy on us all. 
Are you someone who feels like they are fulfilled emotionally within the other areas of your life? Do you think whatever it is you're passionate about, whatever you feel like is your purpose, do you feel like you are spiritually fed outside of work? I feel like I am. I feel like I have enough um, hobbies. I feel like I have enough, a diverse enough friend group. They're into enough different things where um, my life outside of work is rich. Like my life isn't work. So I definitely agree with that. Let's just say that one more time, Punch. My life isn't work. My life isn't work. If you, and I, I think a good point to make is like, if you were having a hard time with that, you can make a perspective switch. There are 24 hours in a day. You only spend about eight of those hours of the day at your job. The majority of your life is outside of work. So there's no reason why the majority of your energy should be spent to work. On top of the fact that work is just to make sure you are not living in a cardboard box. It's just to make sure you have food in the refrigerator. That's just the purpose of work for us, for most people. So why carry that out past the eight hours that requires that? That just doesn't, it doesn't make sense. Absolutely. I like that. Uh, It's like a perspective switch. And that's hard. I think in American society and American culture, it is your worth, work. How much money you make, worth, work. It's, I understand why that is so difficult of a concept for people to grasp because I I know I know I haven't mastered which listen you have people like me who leave and peace out like I really don't like corporate America so I'm going to leave but it's I know like I was just on a podcast it hasn't aired yet she's like would you tell everyone to quit their job I'm like absolutely not I would don't not tell those people <laughs> yeah Oh, do not do, do that. that. <laughs> right. Don't do that. Oh, Lord, don't do that. Oh, no, what is you doing? <laughs> uh, no, I think you have to know yourself. And, yes. You know, you got to know because, girl, I'm hustling twice as hard to make half the paycheck. And I had to know that sacrifice I was going to make. Mm-hmm. Um, but you also have to make sure your priorities are right. So I love what you just said. If anybody out there is struggling, um, You know, there's this book I read, The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck, and they talk about this. And I guess there was this guy who used to be in the Beatles before they were the Beatles, and for decades he was depressed, suicidal, because he thought about, that could have been me. I could have been a part of the biggest group of all, one of the biggest groups of all time. And then I guess eventually he realized Actually, I like a simple life. I love that I'm not bombarded with paparazzi. I love that not everyone is in my business. I love not having a drug problem. (laughs) So (laughs) I think eventually he had to understand, actually, the things I really love in life, which is family, loyalty, consistency, I have all of that. And I wouldn't have had it had this other thing worked out. And that, uh, that lesson has always stuck by me and just realizing what really matters to you? Is it creating art? Is it, and you can still do that with a full-time job. It's not the only thing you should be doing all day. Um, But Wit, what about you? I think, I know that you always have your hand in a thousand pots. So I know you are spiritually fed, but for the folks at home listening, how do you, how do you fill your cup if it's not at work? Um, 
usually um, with wine. Um, <laughs> or, <Yeah. laughs> or like no, but like the thing about the thing about this and passionate work, I think while I'm, like we're sitting here and we're saying, oh <laughs> fuck this job. Like, right? <laughs> Essentially. Um, I I think at, at some some part of you wants to be passionate about what it is that you're doing. Like I want to really care. And I want to either be making a difference or for it to be benefiting me or somebody else's life for, you know, with what it is I'm doing, what I'm feeling this eight hours that I'm having to feel like I needed to be impactful and beneficial. Um, so I, I think I do have that. But if I am in a job or a position where I'm just like, I'm leaving this here since I leave, you're right. I find tons of things and stuff. I'm a, a, a DIYer. Mm-hmm. Um, I, uh, started brewing my own kombucha, you know, yes. during quarantine. Wow. It's absolutely yes. fucking delicious. I'm gonna have to give y'all some. <laughs> um, hold tight, it's coming, it's coming. Yes. Um, just different things. I also like started like gardening and planting and stuff. Like I want a farm. I want many animals. Like I just, it's just so many things that I was just like, I know that if I do these things, this is good for me, and I can't. It would take my sister to tell you, like, she was like, the, your face and your energy while you're doing those things, she was like, yes. that's crazy. Like, for people to witness it. She said, you cannot, you won't even be saying anything. But to watch you do that that stuff, because it's stuff that you actually care about, something that you have a passion for. And so uh, those are things that you definitely want to work, which is why they, you know, or what I was always taught was, you know, do something that that inspires you like that. So then, when you are working, it, it doesn't count as work. You're not having a bad time, you know, all the time. Uh, but yeah, so that, and I, I think mean, that's, that's a part of having healthy boundaries. It sounds yeah. like if you don't have healthy boundaries, then you can't, you know, punch. You're a stand-up comedian, so you can't do your your comedy stuff on the side. And wit, you have your kombucha brand, so without boundaries, you can't pour into that. Right. So having healthy boundaries, I think is the first step if you don't feel passionate. And even if you do, like I still have to say, okay, this is your cutoff. Um, I've had it affect my marriage. I've had it affect friendships. So you don't want to be on that the side of that. Mm-hmm. So that's all actually really helpful. Now, for the last question of the day, I would love to get your opinion on the following. What advice surrounding passion or what ideas surrounding passion would you like to see shift in American culture? What are some ideologies that you are like, yeah, F this. We're not here for it anymore. Uh, uh, the American dream? What is that? <laughs> what is that? Who- Whose dream is that? Whose, yeah. Mm. Whose? Mm. <laughs> mm. mm. White. This, I don't think this white shit would have been mine. Fence. Exactly. I don't <laughs> think. Uh, I don't know. No. Yeah, I like that. Let's rip up. Let's rip up the American dream. The white picket fence. The two point five kids. The dog, That's not for no, everyone. I put no. my dog. So. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so the Whitney dream, we have a farm with dogs, kombucha on tap. Kombucha, but um, I mean, many animals that people with yeah. sensory disorders can come and pet so they won't be overwhelmed. Yes. So it sounds like for you, it's redefine success, redefine yeah. what the hell a dream is to you and follow that dream. In fact, 
in my personal life, this is something that is playing a big part because I feel like you get condemned if you don't want kids or you don't want a house or you don't want certain, like the American dream. Mm -hmm. And it is okay to rewrite your dream to imagine a different dream for you. So that's good. What about you, Punch? What are some things you're like, girl, I'm so over this topic? Being an educator, um, I believe that passion has to start when people are children. Um, Mm. I feel like uh, nowadays passion has been taken out of education, which is why so many people are seeing children or kids coming out of high school and college and really having absolutely no idea what they want to do with with themselves because you've taken all of the curiosity and wonder out of education. You have shifted education to a model of um, producing results so that you get money for funding. Yeah. Um, there, there is no, there is no just teaching to teach for the sake of, Hey, I bet you didn't know this, or, you know, you found this interesting. So let's investigate this. It is so rigid in the way that we feed information to children. And so a lot of kids now don't see school as anything other than how we describe a job. It's eight hours a day that they just have to be somewhere. Mm -hmm. And then they know they can go home after that, but they aren't learning anything that is ingraining passion in them. These kids, I had one baby tell me the other day and it was so sad. Um, he loved science. Like he absolutely loved science. He loved doing experiments. But when he got to high school um, in biology, they weren't able to do any of those things. It was so rigid because there's a there's a star test for that grade level. And it's literally the, the district creates the lesson plans for the subject. So the teacher has no autonomy when it comes to maybe like, oh, well, let's do a dissection here or let's have a, a, a student garden here or let's have a class pet here. There's no room for that in the curriculum. It's so rigid in order to get those results that you're tapping all of the the curiosity and the passion out of the child to where that when they get older, they're just like, I don't know. I just know I need to have a job to make money. That sounds horrible. Matter. That sounds it, horrible. The, the, the children are passionless. And so I want to do away with this idea of, you know, schooling for results and results being the federal funding that you're getting from the government as a result of that. Because the joke is, the gag is, um, if, if the kids <laughs> are in an area where they're not getting the funding, they're not going to get the, the schooling that they need anyway. Oh, my God. So, so you're not going to get the results you want anyway. You're not going to send them the money anyway. So it's like this vicious cycle of just yeah. producing people that are going to be good enough to be your workers, your, you know, your, your lower level workers that are going to be complicit in just whatever they're going to be able to do because you haven't instilled them with passion. I want to do away with, with that idea in education, just bringing back good old fashioned. Hey, you know how to sew. <laughs> that, honest, that honestly hurts my heart. And you're saying that, but I remember like being in biology class and we had a fucking naked rat named Templeton and he would like crawl around the desk. We were dissecting exactly. pigs and stuff. People were taking home fake babies in home at we were we were made Thanksgiving dinner like Exactly. Yeah. I have the fondest memories from like class and especially in high school. Like just from doing stuff, you're like, this is cool. We're kicking it. Like this <laughs> I'm learning. But this is cool. It's it if you want to produce if you want to produce good lawyers you want to give kids an opportunity to be able to argue and form and form opinions mm, if you debate. want to 
we what what are we debating? If you want to create culinary chefs, are you giving the kids an opportunity? Home ec? The home ec is no longer a, a class that. that kids are taking anymore. That's not no, they're doing nothing to facilitate actual skill. Wow. You're just trying to promote rote memorization. And this is kind of like, this is, this is the information that you gave me and I can regurgitate it back to you. There's no, there's no facilitating of skills. You know, it's funny because I think a lot of us have seen the meme um, or several memes that basically say, no, the system's working exactly the way it intended to. It's not Mm -hmm. broken. And when I hear you talk, it sounds like actually the system is working exactly how it intended become a robot at least eight hours a day don't really have any interest and focus on your results so um there's there's a lot of oppression from before birth let's be honest but especially in the (laughs) education system but something that you have pulled is to stay very curious and to stay active and to if maybe there's parents listening or there's siblings or just guardians, it's let's facilitate conversations and exploration and curiosity. Let's also teach kids how to set better boundaries. Um, yeah. Punch. Go ahead. I just, thought, I just thought about something. When you talk about, when you said, uh, when you were talking about like extending yourself past work hours I also think that mirrors the way that we give children work in schools. Um, I think Mm -hmm. homework is an antiquated idea because again, if, if you as an adult leave work after eight hours and you are not expected to work after work, realistically, you're not expected to work after work, but you're asking a 10, 11, 13 year old person to do eight hours of work and then go home. And do another sometimes two to three hours of work. If they have maybe like 30 minutes of work for every class they have, they have four core subjects and maybe some electives. You're asking a very small person to work more than your average adult. And I think that also fuels that idea of putting your energy into work past work with no real, no real facilitating of like growing of skill or curiosity. It's just work. So it's, or have it's, the answers it's, to be wrong. Oh my God. When they could have done it at school with your help. With, with your help <laughs> instead of their father yelling at them, I have five apples. Right. <laughs> your example is getting too real. Trauma. Like, and so it just all feeds into that I, that systemic idea of work, and that's starting on a very, mm-hmm. very low level. Starting with children, it's starting at the at the level of children. So um, thank you. My mind is blown. I want to throw my headphones across the room and. I mean, I feel like this is a good time to be like, make sure everyone is registered to vote. All right, well, ladies. Thank you so much for being on here. I'm excited to have you guys on. Please, please, please make sure you guys go show love to both Punch and Whitney, especially if you want to hear them on this podcast again. Um, But where can listeners keep up with both of you? What will start off with you? What are your social social handles and what can people look forward to seeing from you in the future? 
Um, oh, let me make sure you know, I just don't be giving this stuff out. Let me make sure I'm getting it right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so literally on, well, on Instagram, it's Whittle Sprout. So W-I-T-H-E-L underscore Sprout, S-P-R-O-U-T. Uh, I have like minimum shenanigans on Twitter. But if you're interested there and following me on the bird and watch me be a bird, um, <laughs> It's, <laughs> my handle there is wit under w h capital w h i t underscore the k so underscore t h e all caps k a y no i have not changed my twitter name since i crossed in college yes. shout out <laughs> to my girls <laughs> beautiful 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 and punch where can people keep up with you boo uh, I'm predominantly on the uh, Instagrams at uh, Gabriella.Punchinella, Gabriella, G-A-B-R-I-E-L-L-A, period, P-U-N-C-H-A-N-E-L-L-A. Uh, I'm typically on there talking about rock climbing and giving out some really bomb hair advice. So if you're trying to grow your locks, I'm the girl for the uh, inquiry. Exactly. Actually, we are going to have Punch back on because right now she is my natural hair coach. I don't really need to hear your sass right now, Punch, about I'm working on the heat thing. You see see how you sass yourself? I thought thought she was about to call me out, and she already knows why. (laughs) Follow us on Instagram if you want the tea there. All of y'all can shut up. So, but we're going to talk about hair in the workplace because that's a whole nother conversation. But I love both of you ladies so much. Thank you for being on. Please make sure you support these ladies, follow them. Uh, But more than anything, I want to hear your feedback. What do you all think about being passionate at work? Is it a privilege? Is it overrated? Is it something that you are or aspire to be? Let me know. Otherwise, I will talk to you guys next week. Bye. As a career coach and writer, I get a lot of the same questions from my clients and my friends, which is, how did you go out on your own, become a full-time freelancer, and how can I do it too? And while I will be the first person to preach that no two journeys are the same, I do think there are some tried and true steps in order to ensure success as you go out and become your own boss. And everything I learned, I learned from the best. It's Jennifer Fitta. But I'm not alone. There's over 100,000 other people who trust her, as well as 30 institutions. I'm talking professors, y'all. Like, people with doctorates. So... You know that I'm in good company and in good hands. If you want to learn some tactics and strategies or you just want to understand how the hell business works, but you don't feel like getting an MBA, which, by the way, you don't need one of those to be successful, despite what some people in industries will tell you, then great. Head on over to BYOBrevolt.com. There, it's an educational platform. There's an online community. You can even pick up her book, with the same name, Be Your Own Boss. There's a shop. That's where I get my no five-year plan shirt that a lot of you guys love on Instagram. Either way, there's something for everyone. So take a little peek. And if you see something you like, I have a special offer code for y'all. 25% off site-wide. Just use the code OfficePolitics, one word. Again, 
whether it's a t-shirt, a book, something else, just make sure to save yourself 25%. You use the code Office Politics. And hey, do me a favor. When you buy your book or your shirt or you join the online community, please, please, please give me a shout out on social media. I would love to start a conversation with you, see what you're learning, see what's working for you, and keep that dialogue going. All right, guys, back to the show. 